you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So if you've, if you've been with us at Bethel uh, these last, perfect, these last few weeks, you know we've been in the gospel of, of Matthew and Matthew uh, is about telling the story of uh, God coming to earth, uh, walking and living among us, what he did, what Jesus did on earth, and why, and, and what it means. So if you think about uh, Matthew, the person that wrote it, as he's writing it, um, you know, he believes that, that this person came uh, called Jesus who walked around, and while he walked around, he taught, uh, he healed people. Um, A large group of people followed him, and eventually he was captured and killed by the greatest empire on earth, the Roman Empire. Uh, But if you're Matthew, you believe that uh, three days later, uh, he rose again from the dead. And, And so Matthew sits down to tell this story because he believes, and God and the Holy Spirit working in and through Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew believes that this story about this person that came and healed and walked around and lived and died and rose again, uh, changes the whole world. And he wants people to be able to read this story, understand um, what, it, what Jesus did, and understand what it means for their, their lives, uh, kind of reacting to this news. You know, he's not just telling it uh, to, um, you know, record a, a series of interesting events. He's trying to make a point. He's trying to explain why Jesus came and what it means for all of us. And, and the point that Matthew tries to make through the whole gospel, and the point that Jesus tries to make is he's teaching and healing and walking around can be summarized by this. And we've talked about this a few times. And the reason I bring it up, uh, I'm trying to bring it up as often as possible, is because it's actually really important. Because uh, Matthew believes uh, that this, this sentence really sums up uh, the story that he's trying to tell. When Jesus came, and John the Baptist said this too, uh, he said, um, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And to us, that sounds confusing uh, because it's a lot of these words we don't normally mean, don't, don't normally use. Uh, but what Jesus means by this uh, is that up until when he came to earth, the world was ruled, was controlled by the forces of evil, uh, the kingdom of the earth. Uh, and that when he came to earth and walked and lived and died, he was bringing uh, the, the kingdom of heaven, God's rule, God's control uh, down from heaven onto earth. And so the idea is Jesus really believes uh, that as he's walking the earth, as he's teaching people and people are learning uh, what it means to follow him and living their lives differently, he really believes that um, he's bringing a little bit of heaven down to earth. And he invites everybody, and Matthew is inviting us and everybody that's read Matthew since it was written, uh, to do just that, to turn around Because heaven has come down to earth. And even though it doesn't always look like it, uh, that's the point that Jesus really just wants to just drill into our heads. And he dedicates the whole gospel, Matthew dedicates the whole gospel to to showing and telling that this is true. Uh, To telling people how to live if heaven exists a little bit on earth. And and showing what that looks like when heaven invades, invades earth. And it kind of has a couple sides to that. We, we've talked about this in the sermon already, that, that heaven coming down to earth, this new world that Jesus is bringing, uh, it means relief for people who are, who are beaten down. Uh, that's one thing that this, 
this means, right? Because if the world is ruled by evil, the people that are harmed by that, and if you read the, the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, right, the poor in spirit, the merciful, the peacemakers, all those people who um, face suffering in life because of how messed up the world is, uh, they're, they're blessed. So first of all is, is relief for the oppressed, for people that are beaten down. And as Jesus walks the earth in Matthew, you'll see him confront all of these things that are, are beating down human beings. Um, you'll see him uh, feed hungry people because they're beaten down by a world that doesn't care about them. You'll see him you know, encourage uh, people to find freedom. Uh, you'll see him heal sickness. Every time Jesus heals an illness, it's not just to show how powerful it is, he is, it's to show what heaven looks like when it comes down to earth. That these wrong things, these kingdom of the earth things are, are wrong. And so Jesus steps in and he heals people who are trapped in, in circumstances of illness, uh, who are suffering from mental illness, and, and also who are, who are oppressed by the forces of evil. Uh, and finally, uh, Jesus walks around um, defeating the spiritual powers of sin, uh, encouraging people to... Um, be set free from sin in their lives, and even the consequences of that. So that's half of it, right? Jesus is here to bring heaven down to set the people who are beaten down free. And on the other side of that, um, there's another part to this. And the promise is that when Jesus comes, when the kingdom of heaven comes to earth, uh, human hearts can be transformed. Um, we talked about this two weeks ago. Uh, Jesus really believes... <clears throat> He really believes that human beings can be changed on a heart level. Uh, if, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find lots of things that seem impossible to live out. But, but Jesus really believes that because he came and lived and died and rose again, we can be made new, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Uh, so that we don't uh, have to live our lives uh, breaking the promises we make to each other. Uh, Jesus really believes that because of him, um, we don't have to live our lives leaving wreckage in all our relationships. Uh, Jesus really believes that because he came and lived and died and rose again, that we really can make an impact on our families, on our workplaces, on all the places that we live. An impact that, uh, according to Jesus, looks like lighting a candle in a dark Room or putting a few uh, grains of salt on dinner. Uh, Jesus really believes that because he came and lived and died and rose again, we can be changed so that even when we're in the most difficult situations and the, the worst places, uh, we can bring light and hope to people without light and hope. And it's, and it's great to read, right? That's just a, an awesome promise of, of the gospel that Matthew wants us to believe, that Jesus wants us to believe. It's great uh, to read and hope for, right? Uh, Jesus is promising a new world, and he means it. He really means it. But, but here's the kicker, right? Um, and this is where we, where we run into trouble sometimes. You know, Jesus actually doesn't just say, you know, someday, um, the world will be better. He doesn't say, well, when you die, the world will be better because you'll go to heaven. He says that too. Um, or, or he doesn't say that when your work is done, the, the world will be better. Jesus claims, and Matthew claims this too, that when Jesus walked the earth starting that day, uh, stretching all the way till today, um, heaven can actually come down to earth in our lives in real 
practical, physical ways that we don't have to wait for eternity for. And so, uh, and as awesome as this is, as exciting as this promise is, the problem, of course, is, but, but where is that change, right? If Jesus changed the world completely 2,000 years ago, if light walked into the darkness 2,000 years ago, if he really came to bring relief for the oppressed and, and change for broken and evil people like me, where is it? How come we still have a a laundry list of hurts and worries and fears? How come when we look out our doors, the world still seems awful dark? Where is my relief? Where is my transformation? Because the world seems really dark sometimes. And uh, the food doesn't taste like it's got salt on it. And I think we get so used to that that we have a few different ways of responding to this kind of discontinuity, this struggle. So sometimes we say, well, someday, right, the world will be better. Jesus will come and finish what he started, and we just have to survive and hunker down and hide until Jesus comes back. That's one response. Another response is to say, well, I mean, it's really not that bad, and just really lower our expectations, um, our lower expectations for what God can do in us for what God can do in, in others. Um, you know, we just kind of lower our, our expectations. And I think, for me, that's where, where I struggle. I struggle with that because I want, uh, I want to be able to praise God. So I tell myself, well, I'll just expect less from God. And then I can say, thank you when less happens, right? Amen. Um, you know, for me, it looks like this. You know, I pray for comfort when maybe I should be praying for rescue, I, I pray um, for things to, to go okay on a Sunday morning when maybe I should be praying for my own heart and the hearts of others to be changed. And if you've ever done that, if you've ever hedged your bets with God, if you're ever afraid uh, that God won't answer so you don't even bother asking, um, I, think, I think God has a, a word for, for us if you're like that today. Um, because I think oftentimes it's, much easier, and myself included as a pastor, it's much easier to believe in Jesus. So yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. It's a lot easier to believe in Jesus than it is to believe Jesus. Because he says some things that that seem impossible. Some things that we're afraid to believe because we think we might get hurt. It's easier to believe that someday when I die, I'll go to heaven than to believe what Jesus is saying, that heaven is coming down to earth right here and now. It's easier to believe that someday we'll die and go to heaven than it is to believe that heaven is here to change our hearts and our circumstances. And, and that's something that God has been messing with me on lately, uh, that he's been challenging me with lately. Uh, and, it, and it sounds like maybe saying maybe God can do something. Maybe God can surprise us. He's actually been surprising me all the time lately. And so the question becomes that, you know, if Jesus wasn't kidding when he said the things that he said in Matthew, uh, how do we reclaim that kind of faith he's talking about, that kind of life that he's talking about? And as I wrestled with the words of of Jesus over the last two weeks, because I got a a free Sunday, because of Teen Challenge the week week ago, as I wrestled with uh, this passage over the last two weeks, and and I went to this conference, and we were talking about all the amazing things God can do, and I was hearing uh, stories from my friends of amazing things God had done, and sharing with them stuff 
that's happened right here at this church. And they're like, wow, really? Like, yeah. It's like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but wow, you know, really? So as I was doing that, this has been on my heart. And so I just want to walk walk through it with you together, because I think it, it gives us an idea of where the root of our problem, or at least my problem, uh, might be, and maybe gives us an idea of what we can do about it. So if you, you go to uh, chapter 6, verse 1, uh, Jesus is going to talk about three um, spiritual practices that were common in, in his day. A spiritual practice is, is just a way of living out faith. Um, you know, these are three ways of connecting to God, of uh, living in right relationship with God in, in Jesus' day. And these are three things that everybody that called themselves a Jew practiced, okay? This, was, this is like the, the bare minimum things that everybody that called themselves a Jew would have done in Jesus' day. They weren't things for like the super spiritual, but, but just for everybody. This is how you got to know God. If you wanted to connect with God and you lived when Jesus lived, you did these, th- these three things. You know, today, uh, Jesus might have said, you know, our practices today are, are like maybe like going to church or like reading your Bible or maybe participating in a small group, right? Yeah, small groups. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you might have said that, but the, these are the three. So the first one is giving, and specifically to, to the needy, uh, to people that, that don't have enough to get by. So it's giving to the needy, and the idea is that God cares about the poor because he made them, and he's their God. Uh, and, and if you read throughout Scripture, God is always standing on the side of those who are hurting the most. So people gave to poor people. That was a spiritual practice. Uh, prayer was another spiritual practice. We do that one today, right? Talking to God. And finally, fasting. Um, and that's uh, not eating for a period of time in order to, to, connect, to connect better with God. So Jesus is going to talk about these three common ways of uh, building a relationship with God. And he's going to expose why it seems like they're just letting people down again and again and again. And, and it has everything to do, if you read this passage later, you'll notice this, but uh, really, the next two chapters is everything to do with, with the word seeing. You'll see the word seeing repeated over and over again. It all has to do with where you're looking. Um, so let's, let's take a look. We're going we're gonna to read through. Uh, one other thing I'll tell you. Um, I, Jesus t- calls people hypocrites in, in this passage a lot. And when I hear the word hypocrite, it means like bad person who you shouldn't be like. Uh, but what Jesus really means is, is it comes from the word uh, to act. And he really means like play actors, like people who are, who are pretending. It's not that they're terrible people, but, but maybe they're, they're play acting. So we're going we're gonna to read it that way. So giving to the needy. Uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. You see that to see. You'll see it a lot more. If you do, they'll have, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So instead, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the actors do. The people who are, are giving uh, to be noticed in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, those who do those things, they've already got their reward, right? The actors have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, that's the first one. So when you give... Um, don't be an actor to be seen by people, but um, do it secretly to be seen by God, and God will reward you. It continues. 
with prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the actors, people who are praying as, as acting, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is what? Unseen. Then your father who does what? Sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're going to skip the Lord's Prayer, even though it's really good. You guys should go back and read it later. Um, Continuing on to fasting, this third spiritual practice that everybody did that was just a part of connecting to God. He says, when you fast, verse 16, do not look, right? What do you do with your eyes? Do not look somber as the play actors do, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting, right? So the idea is that when you'd fast, you'd, you'd maybe rub ash on your face and be like, oh man, you guys won't believe how hungry I am today because I've been fasting. That, that's what they're doing, right? Um, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. And this is like, you know, a regular morning routine, getting ready, making yourself look nice. Uh, so that it will not be obvious, it won't be seen, right, uh, by others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Reward you. Okay, so, so that, those are those three practices. Jesus says with these three things, um, make sure you're not doing them to be seen by others, uh, because if you do that, you're already going to get your prize, and God won't reward you for those, for those things. And I know if you've ever heard this passage before, I know for me, the first thing, especially in earlier years when I heard this passage, I was like, well, awesome. I already don't fast, so I don't have to worry about that one. Um, oh, man, well, you know, maybe it's better to just not do these things. You know, that's sometimes our, our knee-jerk reaction is like, you know, I'm, I don't want to be seen giving, so I'm just going to avoid giving, I don't want to be, you know, do this for the wrong reason, so I'll just not do it. And sometimes that's a, a good response, but that, is, that would have been so shocking to Jesus. Like if Jesus walked in here and he was like, oh, you guys just don't, don't give anymore because you're afraid of people knowing, he'd be like, you guys totally missed the point, right? Uh, <clears throat> he's saying, no, do these things, but this is how. And, and the question, the second question that always comes to my mind is, what is this reward that God is talking about? Uh, what's, this, what's this treasure, what's this prize or whatever uh, that you've already received and you might receive? Well, I think it actually, it, it connects really well with something that's a little bit later in this passage. Um, and it's, it's a few verses later, chapter 7, verse, verse 7. Jesus is talking about uh, talking to God and he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Um, I think when Jesus is talking about rewards, um, he's talking about the kinds of things that you might want to get from connecting to God. Uh, Like when you give to somebody in need, uh, for on God's behalf, you're hoping that God will take care of you too. That's what you want to receive, right? When you uh, pray to God, you can either pray so other people can see you, Or you can pray to ask of God, to seek who he is. And when you fast, you can be doing it for the praise and adulation of others. Or you can be doing it uh, to connect connect with with God. 
Now, now this passage, right, it, it bothers us sometimes and, and for good reasons uh, because oftentimes we'll ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask in private. We won't tell anybody, right? We're doing it just right. We're praying that God shows up in a way that we just desperately need and it will seem like the thing that we're asking for is not given to us. You know, of course, the answer is not always yes. Or maybe we'll just pound and pound and pound and pound and pound and pound and pound on the door and it seems like it doesn't get opened. And so this, this passage, it bothers us. But, but what Jesus is saying is that, you know, when you seek God, you'll find him. When you're looking for God in your spiritual practices, you'll find God in your spiritual practices. I think what Jesus is saying is, is this with this passage. And this is what jumped off the page to me and, and hit, me, hit me hard. Um, that perhaps the reason that no matter how much we do good Christian practice, or, or maybe if you're ch being challenged to do more Christian practice, but uh, maybe the reason that even though we do lots of good Christian activity, um, we don't seem to be getting any closer to transformation in our own lives and relief in the lives of others. Maybe the reason that we're not experiencing God in spiritual practice uh, the reason that he doesn't seem to be showing up in the ways that he's supposed to, the reason that we don't seem to be changing in the ways that God wants to change us is that we're not actually looking for him to. Um, I think uh, what Jesus is trying to say here is, is that according to Jesus, when it comes to faith, you're going to get what you're after most of the time. You know, a, a, an actor, and I don't think Jesus has this super negative connotation with hypocrites. You know, an actor... An actor is not a bad person. Uh, you don't blame an actor for pretending to be a doctor. He's not a liar for doing that, right? Uh, they're just looking for something else. An actor isn't a bad person. They're, they're just looking for something else. And Jesus reminds us that if we, if we do faith to be seen by others, we're going to get that. We're going to get what we're asking for. If we're looking to be noticed for our good works our good habits, our beautiful prayers, we can surely find an audience for that. There are people that will respect you more and welcome you into their communities because you're somebody who's practicing faith. And if that's what you're looking for, Jesus says you'll find that. You can find that in fasting and giving and prayer. But <clears throat> if you're looking to be seen by others, you might not be seen by God. Because you'll already have what you're looking for. Because we get what we want. Ask, and the thing you're asking for, it'll be given to you. Seek, and the thing you're looking for from others, you can get that knock, and those doors will be opened. You know, if I'm giving to important causes because I hope somebody will notice me, they probably will. But don't wonder why God doesn't seem to be listening to your prayers that are prayed for the benefit of others. Uh, maybe he's not listening sometimes because we're not really talking to him. You know, and, and we have lots of good reasons to, to like play act in, in faith. You know, um, we have lots of good reasons. And the question that's been on my heart uh, these last two weeks, and I want to share it with you so it can mess up your week too, um, is, is this how often am I performing faith for other people instead of for God? How often is my seeking after God looking for something besides God? Because if we're honest, there are lots of good reasons to perform faith for others, right? Lots of, 
moral and positive reasons. You know, maybe you perform faith for others because you want to set a good example for someone, right? I got to make sure that every time I come to church, I'm 100% awesome and I pray the best prayers because I want people to look at me and say, okay, like God is real because like look at so-and-so's life. Like they're just, they're exemplifying it, right? That's a good reason to pretend uh, to know who God is. You know, I, I might not, you know, maybe we say, I might not be seeking after God right now, but I'll tell others that I am because I don't want to mess up their faith. Uh, or maybe this one comes up. Nobody in here ever does this, but when you see that person that you know has been going through something and you're like, oh, I've been praying for you. I think maybe I prayed for you when you haven't. Or maybe things are, are hard right now, again, and you feel like you have to be that happy Christian for others. Or, or sometimes, um, you know, it's, it's just that simple thing. We want people to think we're good people. We want our, our brothers and sisters at church to, like, respect us and like us and think we're, we're good leaders or, or pastors or musicians or, or just Christians. And we think, you know, my example matters. It matters that I set a good example for others. So we fake it. We pretend even when we're not really there. Because we wouldn't want the reality of our lives to hurt somebody else. That's, that's fair, right? Appearance is over reality. But, but the problem is that when we fake it until we make it, um, we, we kinda, we kinda, our faith kind of dies a little when we do that. Um, I wasn't going to include this, but I just want to say it really fast. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, <clears throat> if you look at, there we go, 6, 622. It says, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What Jesus is saying is if you go through your life doing these things for others, you can get by for a long time, but eventually that light that God has put inside you, it's, it's going to go out because you need him to sustain that. And the more we fake it till we make it, the more likely we are to totally lose that connection with Christ, for our hearts to grow totally cold. Because where your eyes are fixed is where you end up. Because you get what you're looking for. And so the challenge uh, that, I, that I have for you to, to wrestle with and for me is, is this, you know, how, first of all, how do you practice faith right now? Um, maybe you're, you're like me. Sometimes you're like, great, I don't do any of that stuff, so I don't have to worry about faking it. Maybe God is calling you to connect and reach out to him in new ways. Maybe he's calling you to create a, a habit of prayer so that you actually have a place where you can ask God. Maybe there are prayer requests you're afraid to ask God that, that he's encouraging and calling you to pray to him and write down in some journal somewhere and get back to him on those things. Maybe God is calling you to create new habits of faith. That's the first question. The second one is, while you're doing, doing faith, if it's going to church or joining a small group, or praying, or fasting, or, or whatever it is that you do to practice faith. Uh, where am I looking when I do those things? Am I looking for God, or am I looking for something else? It doesn't make you a bad person. Don't feel bad. Jesus isn't saying you're a bad person if you're doing this. He's saying you do this because you're human. Stop it. <laughs> Jesus says uh, this not because we should know better, but because it's so hard and we need reminding. Because when you do, you'll find that when you ask for God, 
He'll give to you by revealing himself to you. When you seek after God, he'll transform you and change your heart. And when you knock and knock and knock on the places that God is leading you, you'll find doors opening. Because when it comes to faith, you get what you're looking for. I don't know what God is saying to you today, but I want to give us all an opportunity to respond in, in prayer to that voice. Maybe for you, despite your Christian activities, you've never really been looking for God, but mostly at others. If that's you, it's time to turn your eyes to him. Maybe you remember a time when your faith was about God, but now it's been built up into this thing that's for other people. And it's time to look back to him. Maybe you're just uh, checking faith or church out for the first time or you're new in your faith and you're not sure how to connect to God, but, but it's time to look to him for that. If any part of that is true for you this morning, I invite you to, to pray this silently with me. Let's pray. Lord God, I have made my faith about everything but you. I've busied myself learning how to act Christian instead of letting you work in me. But I believe that your son lived and died and rose so I don't have to act anymore. Forgive me my sin and help me to rest in your grace and forgiveness and live my life from here on with eyes fixed on you. In your name, amen. This is what it means to be a Christian. I invite you as, as we approach the table together today um, to return your gaze to him. To return your gaze to him as you practice faith and live your life so that when you ask, you'll find him. When you seek, you'll find him. And when you knock, he'll work in your life. We're invited to confess how we've fallen short and accept his forgiveness as we eat the bread and the cup. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. We thank you that you are a God that is big enough to hold all of our stuff. We thank you that you're a God that's not furious with us for making our faith about something other than you, who instead offers out in grace and forgiveness an opportunity to return our eyes to you. Help us, Lord, to remember where our focus ought to be. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.